Hello, everyone. This is Ron Bush with Ron Bush Consulting, and you're listening to the Information Playground or watching if you're on YouTube. So the Information Playground is a program that is devoted to helping our listeners or, or viewers um, learn how to protect their businesses, their nonprofits, uh, organizations, whatever the case might be. Individuals, of course, will learn how to do that as well. There are so many changes happening today many of them technolo te technology uh, changes. That's easy for me to say, but most of them induced by technology if they're not directly part of technology. There's a lot to keep up with. And, and so here at the Information Playground, we seek to, to help folks do that. So it's underwritten by Ron Bush Consulting. Ron, I'm obviously Ron Bush and that's my company. We help organizations stay safe uh, we do risk assessments and a host of things, employee training, those kind of things, um, and try to stay up on uh, the latest uh, companies that, uh, that work to keep us safe. That said, uh, if you're listening to us on WVLP, you're probably in Northwest Indiana, or you could be anywhere on the planet if you're streaming. WVLP.org is a great little uh, radio station in Valparaiso, Indiana. We are uh, broadcast there on Mondays at 8 to 9 a.m. or uh, Friday afternoons from 1 to 2. Uh, great radio station. I encourage you to, to go to their website, wvlp.org, see what they're doing in the community and see how you can be a part of it. If you're listening to us on demand, you could be listening to a podcast, and we're on just about all of the podcast platforms starting with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and the rest of them. We also are on YouTube and both of those podcast or videos are under the information playground. That's the name of the program. And, uh, and so you can find us there. I encourage you to also check out my book on Amazon, uh, staying safe in a very dangerous world. Think before you click. Um, you can get that in paper or electronically. Now my special guest today is Shanna Utgard. She's with Defendify and, uh, and just a, a a great lady, uh, knows everything she's talking about. I have yet uh, to not learn from her in every conversation that we've had. So Shanna, welcome to the Information Playground. Thanks for having me, Ron. Um, so if you would tell folks a little bit about yourself, how you came to be, who and where you are. I am Shanna Utgard. I am the success manager at Defendify, and we are a Portland, Maine-based cybersecurity platform for small and medium-sized businesses. And I came into this role, I like to say that I've had many acts in my past life. I've, you know, done some call center work, and I was a real estate paralegal, and I had many, many uh, previous acts, but I was working as a real estate paralegal. I had recently wired $2.1 million to a cyber attacker, and I was attending a, we'll probably come back to that one, uh, <laughs> I was attending a title insurance seminar, and if you've ever been to a title insurance seminar, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's very dry material, we'll put it that way, and this gentleman got up, and he started talking about cyber threats, and he was going through this presentation, and I just had one of those moments, maybe it was the wire I had sent, but I had one of those moments where I was like, whatever, whatever this guy is doing, I, I need to be a part of this, and so I grabbed his business card, and I hunted him down, and I sent him my resume a bunch of ways, and here I am, so I uh, help small and medium businesses protect themselves from cyber threats, and you know, we also have some, some partners that we work with to help 
get that type of protection out there. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's get started. There's an awful lot going on in cybercrime. Um, I think that every year, uh, you know, I started uh, my consulting practice in 2010. So that's 10 years in business. And I think every year it has dwarfed the activity from the year before. 2019 was no different. Um, I think if you added 2017, 18, and maybe 16 together, 2019 dwarfed all three of them together. Now, 2020, I haven't seen a lot of statistics yet because we're only halfway through the year, but COVID-19 has encouraged cyber criminals in a lot of ways they wouldn't have had access to. They always take advantage of, of crises and, and tragedies and those things. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. What do you see as, as happening in the cybersecurity world, the cybercrime world? Let's get started with what's going on right now and we'll get to what can people do. Absolutely. I, this really put it into perspective for me. I was speaking with one of our customers and he said that in the first three days of April of this year, he had more attacks against his network than he had had in the entire three years combined. Wow. Wow. So we're seeing a, a massive, I saw a statistic the other day, I think it said it was 300,000% increase in something. I didn't even know you could have a 300,000% <laughs> increase in something. I didn't think, I didn't think you could go that high, uh, but they were, it was about phishing or domains or um, massive increases over the last few months, especially with this pandemic. Uh, we've, we're also seeing a rise in ransomware attacks again. It seemed it really spiked through 2017 and 2018, started to, to lower a little bit. The shift was back more towards phishing emails and business email compromise, uh, but that's definitely on the rise again. And the way that the attacks have progressed through this pandemic has been equal parts fascinating and terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling that some of that may be the, uh, I remember the first three months, so this would have been around March, might've been April. Um, I read the statistic that uh, the number of websites that had been created since the beginning of the year had just exploded that had coronavirus or COVID-19 in them. Hackers yeah. just used those to send people to them. Um, 300,000%. I wish I could get that in my bank account. Um, <laughs> or yeah, my investment account, 300,000% return. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about, you mentioned ransomware too. Ransomware, I did not see uh, a decrease in ransomware personally, um, but uh, it's probably offset between enterprise companies and smaller companies. Um, I've, I've got several grocery stores uh, that in incurred a ransomware attack. Um, and I know of a couple more. Uh, these are grocery chains, of course. Um, ransomware, uh, healthcare industry comes to mind immediately. And ransomware, uh, everything that I'm seeing and reading is just really a distraction nowadays. They're using ransomware to distract the organization while they come in behind and steal whatever it is they want to steal. Maybe they, they steal and then destroy. Um, you know, it's just part of a, an orchestrated attack. Um, so where do we go from that? I mean, what, what can an organization do to protect themselves? What are some of the things that, uh, that you at Defendify see? 
specifically to ransomware, the first thing, well, specific to any cybersecurity question, the very first place I always start is with user training and testing. We, I think one of the benefits to those of us in the cybersecurity industry nowadays is that there are more attacks that are being broadcast across news platforms. People are hearing about it more often. And it's not just the very large enterprise companies that, that we're thinking of. We're hearing about these smaller breaches. We're hearing about small law firms that are being attacked or doc, you know, doctor's offices or these smaller businesses. So I think the increase in publicity around these attacks has been good helping small businesses understand that they really are targets. Um, so there's one benefit of that. But when we read about these large enterprise organizations, they probably have cybersecurity budgets in the millions and billions of dollars to protect the organization, yet attacks are still happening. Right. And most of the time when we're looking at you know, the forensic reports afterwards, there's usually a component of human behavior involved in that, whether it's you know, a misconfiguration of a database or a phishing email, I, the Anthem breach comes to mind mm -hmm. with that one, uh, or you know, a, a third party being used as a smaller third party being used as an attack vector like in the target breach. Um, so I, I think that the user training and testing component of it is always really important. Um, and I think it's also important the way that the company positions that as well, because we don't just want to launch a fake email at a company and see if all the employees click on the link and you know trick them into clicking. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is build up that muscle memory. I was talking to a, a company earlier today and I said, you know, annual cybersecurity training is not enough. That's like if you're learning to play baseball and you go to summer camp, right? You, you spend a week, you learn how to, to swing a bat. If you wait until the following spring to swing a bat again, you're probably not going to be very good at baseball. You have to practice on a regular basis. And so we do, you know, the annual cybersecurity is a great baseball summer camp. But if you're not going to those weekly baseball practices and you're not, you know, throwing the ball around out in the yard every single day or week after week, you're never going to build up that muscle memory and those skills. So security awareness training is the same thing. We want to do continual training, education, the that not only is just about basic topics, but also is the way that the industry is evolving and the way that you know, cyber threats are changing. It's definitely not the same as you said five, 10 years ago. Uh, remember when the worst thing we had to deal with was adware? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so user training and testing is always a huge thing, building up that muscle memory, helping the employees be able to recognize when an attack is occurring in whatever vector it's occurring in, um, and that you know ongoing reinforcement. And uh, regarding ransomware as well, I would say that um, external network vulnerability scanning is, is also really important. I spoke with a company yesterday who had had a ransomware attack in 2019, and they were, and this is particularly relevant today because we have had a you know, digital transition as a result of the pandemic, but uh, exposed ports in the firewall, specifically RDP or you know, wh whatever you are using to be able to connect back into your network that we've seen as a ransomware attack vector. This company I spoke with yesterday had that happen to them and now they were hypervigilant and looking to beef up their security awareness training. Great, now you mentioned RDP, remote desktop protocol. Um, you mentioned external uh, network vulnerability scanning. So let's unpack that a little bit. What goes into that? I know you covered quite a bit of that in your, in your answer, but not everyone that listening is going to be a, a CISO or a, a, a CIO. So let's, uh, which is security, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, chief information security officer or chief information officer. 
So, so let's unpack that. How does that work? Uh, is it is it something Defendify offers? Um, how does this how does this help a company? Uh, employee training. I want to come back to that because that's one of my uh, every show we I just about I talk about employee training, which is why I wrote the book. Uh, most companies have no information security policies and procedures. Some are required if you're in healthcare or you're in financial services. You're required, but every company, every organization regardless of whether you're for-profit or not-for-profit, you should have an information security policies and procedures, business continuity plan, uh, uh, disaster recovery and prepared, or preparedness and recovery plan. All those things are vital. Otherwise, when, when things happen, um, you're just not prepared. If you're, if you're in a, an organization, regardless of, of what kind of organization, what kind of industry, most of them find out when the FBI knocks on the door and tells them they've discovered their data on the dark web um, that they've been breached. The average is six to nine months, um, depending on who you read, before a breach is discovered. Uh, and oftentimes there's a half a dozen or more hackers that have been in to the network taking what they want, sometimes uh, modifying uh, existing facts. That's terrible if you've got medical records or if you're a CPA uh, or an attorney and somebody's modified your records. Um, if you're an insurance company and they've modified the insurance policy, you get into all kinds of identity theft, uh, insurance uh, uh, policy identity theft. There's just a, a ton of things that go along with this. So, so let's get back. Uh, I started with external network vulnerability scanning. What's that? Why is it important? How do you make it happen? The way that I like to describe this, because one of the things that we really hang our hat on is straight talk, not tech talk. So I joke with some people in my life that my job is really a translator. I take things out of geek speak into yes. what everybody else can understand. I love so, that. I do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, and acronyms. I was on a call earlier today and, and somebody said the amount of acronyms we use, we're, I think we're second only to the military. Yeah. Uh, so the way that I always describe external network vulnerabilities scanning is, you know, if you think about your, like a physical building, if you still have one, uh -huh. um, your physical building, you know, you have that the outside of your building, which is, you know, where the internet comes into your network, right? And then on the inside of your building is where you have all your crown jewels. There are doors in your network, there are windows in your network, and, and there are, you know, devices that sit on the outside of your, your, your network. What external vulnerability scanning is, is basically a security guard walking around the outside of your building. So that security guard is going to each of the doors and rattling them and make sure that, that they're, they're locked. They're going over to all the windows, making sure that they're closed and shut and that there's no way that somebody could get in through one of those holes. They're also looking at maybe the perimeter of like your, the bottom of your foundation and making sure there are no cracks. Um, you know, there are, there are devices that have updates, much like when you get a notification say on your iPhone that says the newest version of iOS is available. Uh, it's because they've released a patch or an update. It could be increasing, you know, bettering the functionality of some of the apps or improving them. It could be a security patch that they have uh, released. They may have found a small vulnerability and they, you know, just like a band-aid, kind of put a patch over it uh, and uh, release that out. So most people are familiar with the annoying updates of when you got to, you know, recharge your, charge your iPhone, be at 50% battery, connected to Wi-Fi while you're asleep, jump, jumping on one foot. Uh, so 
if the if devices on that external network are not updated, that could be a vulnerability. That little crack in the foundation could be something that you know you could get termites through. Um, so that's that's basically my non-technical explanation of external vulnerability scanning. And it is a service that Defendify offers. We have both external and internal, but external vulnerability scanning that, you know, security guard walking around every month on the outside of your networking, making sure everything's up to date and there no, there's nobody lurking, no windows open. Uh, that is provided in our essentials package, which is a free service available to any, any business. Um, and it's got three of our modules in our platform. So there's no, no charge for it, no expiration on it. Uh, it is completely unlimited. Wow. What are the other two? Yes. Uh, the other two are the cybersecurity health checkup, which is our assessment tool. And our threat alerts, which is any type of, it's a notification about a threat that could impact your business, whether it's application security updates, those patches, or zero day vulnerabilities, you know, just released, that's when the hackers go crazy with them trying to, to use them before everybody uh -huh. plugs them up, sure. or phishing scams or ransomware strains. So they're just alert notifications about threats Ex that could impact your business. Excellent. So let's let's go back to this uh, vulnerability scanning um, external or or internal since you do both the big thing right now since we're i can't say we're in the middle of this pandemic because I, I have no idea it may just be the beginning might be the end but i doubt it um, we're in it <laughs> yeah we're in it so uh, work from home is is what mm. is the big thing, and, and I've had uh, economists and, and different guests that have talked about the, the, uh, how this is going to affect us culturally and economically. I mean, you can imagine the commercial property business uh, as businesses downsize their offices because the majority of the employees are now working from home. I, I don't think we're gonna go back to everyone reporting in the office for those businesses that have been able to deploy people to their homes. But that brings in a whole a whole mess of, uh, and I'm using that term in particular, of, of issues because most people don't have security at home. You just mentioned updates to things like the router. If, if your home network is infected with viruses or rootkits or whatever the case might be, now you've got the issue of uh, um, everything on that network. And so if you're using a company company phone, company laptop, using it to your own personal computer to tie into the company server, anything dealing with the company, now you've put the company at risk. So how does, is this, uh, is this helpful to us? How, would, how does it work on the folks working from home? That's where I'm going. Absolutely. External network vulnerability scanning is very important, especially when a lot of these companies were making this digital transition. And I mean, let's face it, we, we most of us scrambled. It was, we were in the office one day and then two days later we were all at home. So I know how it affected our internal IT staff here at Defendify. And uh, we actually made a work from home checklist as a result of our internal staff going through that process and they just kind of took some notes and said for any other business who's going through make sure you do this and this and this and I believe um, I can get you the exact link but uh, I believe it's defendify.io slash wfh-checklist uh, but we can get the the actual document itself um, and the, the correct URL if I'm not right there but we'll find that out um, we made that checklist 
when you're configuring the firewall to allow, if you didn't previously have, you know, VPN connections, that's most popularly people are, are using VPNs to, to come back into their corporate network so they can access their files. Um, when, if you didn't previously have that VPN connection, most likely your IT person probably did some configuration on your firewall, you know, that, that box between your internet and your, your corporate network, mm -hmm. um, they probably made some changes to allow that connection back in. Think of it kind of almost like a, a tunnel coming mm -hmm. back into your corporate network. Excellent. When those firewall configuration changes happen to allow that connection, that can open up a, a lot of holes and, and exposures and vulnerabilities. So we can scan for that. The other thing that I have really been banging my drum about as far as work from home is making sure that you have very clearly defined technology and data use policies uh, and incident response plans. Mm -hmm. Because as you mentioned, um, you, you have a lot of decisions to make in this digital transition. Are you going to allow employees to use their personal devices? Or uh, you know, some businesses say, hey, we, we can't afford to issue laptops or computers to everybody working from home. They have to use their devices. Yeah. Um, you got to consider. The, the kids are probably on that computer. They're downloading the latest cheat codes for Minecraft or anything else that could have any slew of malware in there or, you know, that everyone's streaming everything and you've got a Windows 7 computer and uh, just the same default password that came on your wireless router when you when you got it from your internet provider or, um, so there's there's a lot of things to consider there. Um, clearly outlining technology expectations with employees is really important. Um, I, certain things like locking your computer when you leave your seat is extremely important. I mean, I don't, I don't think your five-year-old is gonna, you know, try maliciously, you know, try to hack into anything, but you never know, they could delete something or, um, you know, they, they could accidentally download something to your computer because they were trying to, you know, do, do something online. So technology and data use policy, reviewing and setting those clear expectations, deciding about bring your own devices, um, covering, you know, VP, using a VPN connection, whether or not employees are allowed to connect to uh, public Wi-Fi networks. So if they're traveling in a hotel or, you know, at a, at a coffee shop, um, you know, what, what the policy is surrounding that. Mm -hmm. there's, there's risks there as well. Um, so, I, and then having a re incident response plan because, you know, IT isn't just down the hall anymore or, you know, you're, you're at home. So if an event occurs, you want the employees to be able to recognize that it's occurring as quickly as possible and have very clearly defined channels to be able to reach out. Maybe it's a, you know, designated phone number for IT on a sticker on their computer or, um, you know, an email address or like a Slack or a Teams channel. So very clearly defined process for employees to identify and notify IT if something is occurring. Um, and then, you know, a few basic steps to be able to work to contain that incident if it occurs while they're remote to make the jobs easier for the IT people. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So um, let's... Uh, Let's double back now. We've, we've brought it in several times. Let's talk about training. Um, there's a few things that go with that. You mentioned VPN, virtual private network. And there's a, there's a host you can, there are some that you can buy, but there's, uh, or excuse me, that are free. But my experience is the ones that you pay for are the better ones. Um, and I, in the past, I've, uh, I've given uh, uh, suggestions on the program don't have any uh, uh, in front of me right now. 
I think VPN Express is a current uh, um, popular one. Um, Golden, Golden Frog, I think, is uh, one. Viper VPN is their brand name. Uh, there are several, but I don't, uh, didn't prepare for it and don't have any of them in mind. So VPNs are important. I love your metaphor. It's like a tunnel through the internet. It is, it is hackable, but it's extremely difficult. It's like uh, Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin you can track, but man, it's extremely difficult um, and not always. I mean, time is of the essence in both of those. So unless you've got uh, someone waiting, uh, watching, your, uh, watching your connection, they're probably not going to be able to track a, a Bitcoin transaction, and they're probably not going to be able to hack a VPN for the same reason. They don't know where you are. They don't know anything about it. It would be, it would be luck and planning, um, knowing when you're going to get on to, to do it. So like many things, not impossible, but uh, improbable. So you've got training, you've got VPNs, um, you've got vulnerability scanning, uh, both internal and external. What else should, uh, should companies be doing to protect themselves, their employees, and their, their customers or patients? All right. Well, I'm about to invite you all to my TED Talk because this is something that I feel extremely passionately about, which is uh, password health. I last year did what I like to call a digital detox. So there were many things that went into this digital detox, but that was my, my New Year's resolution. I don't do anything that I know that I'm going to completely fail at. Like, you know, I'm not going to diet for two weeks and, and fall off the wagon. So I try to do something that I focus on over the course of an entire year, little by little, you know, when, my, when my life allows for it. So I did a digital detox last year and I went through and I changed every single one of my passwords. Um, I didn't come from a background in security. So when I first started working at a cybersecurity company, I used the same password for everything for the last 15 years of my life. <laughs> when I wanted to get really fancy or meet complexity requirements, I capitalized one of the letters or I added an exclamation point or I changed an E to a three, like, like most people. So, as soon as I became sufficiently terrified about cyber threats and learned more about what is going on in the world, one of the first things I did was started to practice better password health. Um, there are a lot of problems with using the same password across every uh, site. You know, let's say you got a, a notification that your MySpace password was breached. Mm -hmm. Most people, unless you're a musician nowadays, have not logged into MySpace in a very, very long time, <laughs> uh, if at all. Uh, so just because that password is not in use for you anymore doesn't mean that it's not likely that your once upon a time my myspace password is probably still something that's in use for you so maybe it's your your email accounts or your social media accounts or your bank accounts or you know some of the i call them keys to the castle whether that's your business life or your personal life you're probably either using a variation of that password because we're creatures of habit okay. so um i i strongly champion unique passwords for every account that you log into and most people as soon as those words just came out of my mouth are probably going she's crazy there's no way i can remember a different password for every single site that i log into and neither could i so 
a, a password manager where you can create random, unique passwords for every single account that you're logging into. Um, every single one of my passwords looks like a toddler fell asleep on a keyboard or just went like straight monster mash. Um, so unique passwords, random passwords, a place to store them. Usually most people come back to that with, well, what if somebody gets into the password manager? Of course, um, which leads me to my second favorite password topic, which is passwords are not enough anymore. So any account that you possibly can turn on, turn on two-factor authentication. Um, I would recommend um, protecting your password manager with two-factor authentication as well, so that even if you know, even if you had the most common password of the last five years, one, two, three, four, five, six, as your password manager password. If they don't have that second form of authentication, they can't get into your password manager. And then having a different and unique two-factor authentication requirement on all of those keys to the to the castle accounts, your email, your social media, your banking, uh, travel accounts, you know, investment accounts, anything like that. Uh, there are multiple forms of two-factor authentication. Um, what that actually is, is the first factor is something that you know, so your password. The second factor of authentication is something that you have or something that you are. So it could be, you know, maybe in the future, it's you know, all the eyeball biometric screening and things like that. Nowadays, more commonly, it's a text message code or an app on your phone that produces a new random number every 30 seconds, or there are little uh, dongles that you can insert or a key fob that will generate a code, and that is your second form of, of authentication. So I am a very big fan of two-factor authentication. Uh, when I first started it working in cybersecurity, I was like, this slows me down. <laughs> Um, now I can probably use my password manager, which autofills into all of my browser windows. I can, I can use my autofill functionality of my password and get into my phone, get my two-factor authentication code and put it into the website before you can type out your, you know, eight to 10 character password that you use for everything. Excellent. Excellent. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's a more eloquent sermon than I preach. I appreciated the way you said it. But I, I give that sermon just about every program. Um, I couldn't agree more. I always recommend, I think the top three uh, password management programs are uh, KeePass, uh, LastPass, and Dashlane. That changes from time to time. Yep. But, uh, it, but those are three solid uh, password management programs. They're encrypted. Uh, all of them, I believe, uh, have a client that either sets on your browser or sets in your system on your computer and it communicates with the browser so you can use it from uh, just about any device that you log into and i couldn't agree more with uh, your multi-faction uh, multi-factor authentication um yeah so now you've got it where it's encrypted at rest it's encrypted in trans transmission um i i couldn't agree more all of my clients i recommend i can't say that all of them do it but I recommend hardly a 16-character password, um, and uh, I recommend they change them every 30 to 45 days. Now, naturally, they're, they're, they're if they're doing <laughs> checking out books at the library, they're not. That's not uh, all that necessary. But each password does have to be unique. So your bank accounts, your credit cards, anything that has any any advantage, needs to have um, 
needs to have its own unique password. It needs to be upper lowercase special characters and numbers and a minimum of 16 characters. And you, you're right, you can't keep up with those. I would encourage you to have 30 characters, same thing, uh, upper lowercase special characters and numbers for your password management program. And then, uh, and then everything else, 16 characters, it will help you change those passwords on a regular basis. If you've got too many uh, to do 30 to 45 days, don't let it go more than 60 if you can, if you can help it. Uh, certainly don't let it go more than 90. If you've got 100 passwords, uh, that's one a day, uh, uh, you know, 100 accounts. So, uh, so with that, I couldn't agree more. We've talked about VPNs, we've talked about training, and I need to stop for just a moment just to identify all the different ways uh, uh, that people can listen to us and who we are. So uh, you may be listening to us on WVLP. Let me encourage you to stream us at WVLP.org. Um, excellent radio station in Valparaiso, Indiana. Uh, if you're there and want to be part of the community, they do an excellent job in the community. They give back a lot, and I encourage you to do that. If you're interested in underwriting any program on WVLP or my program, the Information Play Playground, uh, you'd be welcome to do that. And you can contact them through the website or inf info at wvlp.org. Um, don't forget the podcasting. It's called the Information Playground, and that's available on any. Don't don't stay away too long. Uh, that'll be available to you uh, on just about any. I have podcast. a smoke alarm going off. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll uh, uh, we'll be all right with that. Uh, so listen to us on the information playground or view us on YouTube uh, for the reason I wrote uh, staying safe in a very dangerous world available on Amazon uh, is for employee training. Uh, so uh, be sure to uh, be sure to, to uh, check that out. Uh, if you don't have an information security policy or procedure uh, policy and procedures written, and I stress they must be in writing, um, if you don't have that, this is a good starting point for you. I'm actually working on a second book, which uh, uh, deals with building your information uh, security policies and procedures. So that said, uh, my guest, my special guest, is uh, Shanna Utgard with Defendify. And we're discussing things that are going on uh, in the COVID uh, world of today or the, the coronavirus world of today, working from home and those types of issues and what every business can do or organization can do to, to protect themselves and some of the risks that are going on with that. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. Shannon, uh, Shannon if, if anyone wants to contact you, what's the best way for them to, uh, to get in touch with you? Our, we can, obviously through you, Ron, they can, they can contact us. Um, we have our website, which is defendify.io. Uh, we're on all the social media pages. We also have a podcast as well. So for those of your listeners who are big podcast streamers, which that's one of the things I miss about driving to the office is I, I got about 40 reminders the other day of all these old <laughs> podcast episodes. And I was like, oh, my favorite shows. I'm sorry, Darknet Diaries. I will be back to you. Uh, <laughs> 
we have our own podcast called The Hilt with our co-founder, Rob Simopoulos, and he does a similar thing that you do, interviews people in, you know, in the small business world and just talks about uh, general cybersecurity topics like third-party assessments is a, a big topic that we're seeing a lot. Um, you know, systems integration companies with the Internet of Things and all these connected devices that we have everywhere in our house. And so I, I feel like we are definitely in a really great industry with the way things are going nowadays. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And if you do want to contact me, the Information Playground is underwritten by Ron Bush Consulting. Uh, you can contact me, ron at ronbushconsulting.com, or you can check out the website, ronbushconsulting.com. So, um, so let's get back on, uh, on track here. We've talked about uh, a number of things. You're, I think we started with the uh, cybersecurity health checkup assessment tool. Uh, I noticed that you've got that. That kind of blends in with a, uh, with a risk assessment, uh, I believe. So it, it, there's, a, there's a question and answer thing um, that you go through and there's one that you offer for free and there's another one that goes with a, a paid subscription that's a little more in depth. Um, there's other things. I mean, you, you offer um, uh, a stolen password scanner. I love that. Uh, you offer videos, um, phishing simulation tool. Let's talk about that for just a moment. And then I want to get to pen test, pen, uh, penetration testing as well. Absolutely. Um, I love the the managed phishing simulations. I, it goes back to that whole baseball analogy of practicing over and over and over again until the, the season starts. There's, for phishing simulations, what we do is we launch a fake email at an organization, just like a, an attacker would do, like a, a mass you know, email blast. And if the employees click on the links or open the attachments, they're automatically redirected to a, a spot training right then and there at that point of failure. And it will show them how they could have recognized that it was a phishing email. The point of that is to build up the muscle memory and being able to, you know, look at the email information, who it's coming from, what time it was sent, um, you know, who else it's sent to, scanning through the body of the email, looking at the links, looking for any spelling and grammatical errors, which not every phishing email has to have spelling and grammatical errors. Some of them are really, really good. Um, and just being able to recognize when an, uh, when an incident is, you know, occurring, when that phishing email is coming in, being able to report it. And then um, the other benefit to the managed phishing simulations is that it keeps employees on high alert. It helps them just be hyper vigilant all the time. Because if you don't know at any point during that month, if an email coming in is going to be that test email, that if you click on it and you know, pops up that, oops, this was a training, but next time it could have been a real attack, uh, which I've seen that message once. I, I got clobbered on a phishing simulation back in December by, uh, by Elise on our team. She had sent a message out in our internal communication app uh, about our holiday party. And then there was a email that came right in from Elise Allen about our holiday party. And I clicked on it and boom, there was my, my, my phishing failure, uh, which is exactly how the attacks happen. They're geared at, uh, against things that, you know, 
cause us to have emotional reactions or there's urgency. And this one was like a holiday party RSVP and I'm, I'm a last minute gal. So I had forgotten to do it. And I was like, Oh, I gotta do that right now. And I just boom, right on the link. And that's exactly how the attackers get us the urgency, the fear, the, you know, fear of missing out on something or, you know, a penalty. So we like to use those same types of emotional tactics and, uh, you know, trust, train and, and test those employees to build up that muscle memory and also just keep them on high alert all the time because you never know when it's going to be that fake email or when it's going to be a real email and um, just that, you know, constant state of paying attention because it's when we come in under caffeinated on Monday morning or in this case, you know, stroll over to our home office desks and the kids are screaming in the background and we don't have any coffee and we didn't get a good night's sleep. And we've got a project deadline coming up. That's when the, when the incidents occur. So that's a, every month we recommend it. Well, I have some companies that say, do I really have to do it every month? Can I do it, you know, once a quarter, but you lose some of that, you know, ongoing practice and repetition and that, that hypervigilance if you're not doing a regular testing cadence. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Penetration testing. What is that and why is that important? A lot of companies are curious whether an attacker could even get into their network if they tried. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's kind of like the, that security guard walking around the outside of the building seeing if any of the, the doors uh, are unlocked and the windows are open. Um, the penetration testing kind of takes that one step further. It's somebody trying to get in through all of the cracks and through the windows and through the doors. So there's, we call it uh, good guys doing bad things. And they're certified white hat ethical hackers. Um, some of them are previous black hat hackers. Uh, some of them went to training for this. So they uh, attempt to manually infiltrate your network just like a bad guy would do uh, and see if they're able to get in and any information that they're able to extract back out of, um, out of that test. And then there's a report that's generated that will show what they're able to see. Um, we have we've worked with a company in the past when we conducted their penetration test. Uh, we had we were able to get some of their security footage because their um, security cameras were were you know, internet facing. So we took screenshots right off of their cameras uh, and and showed them some information from the inside of their building. So. You know, back in the day, they called it war driving. Uh, hackers would set out in parking lots or they would drive down the street and they would have a laptop on the front seat with them and they would find uh, Wi-Fi that were either in shops. Uh, retail is an, is an obvious uh, target for this, but anything, an office building, a warehouse, anything, you're, you're liable to find Wi-Fi. And of course, in a residential area, you can just drive down the street. You don't need the laptop now. Every phone, every smartphone has the ability that just pops up as you drive by. So now you know something's there. And this is an example regular listeners will have heard. If I love, uh, they're all this way, but I have WGT, uh, dot, uh, WGT, I don't know, 240, 260, something like that. It's a Linksys router um, just about any router will broadcast the model and so now uh, you you've got the model you know that if they didn't change that most likely they didn't change the uh, user id which is admin and they didn't change the password which is which is blank so all you've got to do is now log into it uh, you can park down the street however close you need to be to to be able to uh, 
to, to sign in, to log into the router, and now you own their network. That's true in any kind of retail environment, so a strip mall, it's true in any industrial area, uh, manufacturing, anyone that has Wi-Fi, it's an easy target. And if you, if you don't, and we talked about passwords just a minute ago, let's say you were smart enough to, uh, to change the user ID and password. Most of them are easy to figure out, and if a hacker can't guess it, he can use password cracking software to get in. It's, it's a matter of seconds, minutes at the most, not hours. So that's if they're in the area. If they're coming in through the internet, now you're looking for the same type of holes to plug, or pen tester is, the hacker is not. He's using for looking for holes to enter. So most people have the same issue. They're, they're uh, using networks, uh, network administrators are using privileged accounts. So you'd be amazed at what I've encountered just in doing risk assessment. Some of the worst passwords are used by network administrators and by, by uh, uh, department directors and what have you. I'd never seen QWERTY uh, as a, uh, used as a password until I did a risk assessment. Um, you know, just dumb things. But most people, uh, and I'll just speak to Americans, because I've only done risk assessments in America, most of them have uh, the idea that it's, it's going to, you know, it's the other guy. Somebody else is going to get hacked. Uh, forgetting that to the rest of the world, they're the other guy. And chances are very good that they'll be the ones that are hacked. Um, an old statistic is three to four uh, businesses a day in America report a data breach. And most of those are reported by the FBI. They find the data on the dark web. So having a pen test done, would you say annually is a good thing to do? Depending on the, on the industry and the, and the business, it might be quarterly, it might be monthly. Um, exactly. PCI immediately comes to mind as far as like, you know, testing frequencies. That's, that's usually where we, we see it. Um, depending on the industry that you're in, we have a lot of nonprofits that have been doing penetration testing as a result of their auditors coming in. Mm -hmm. um, so that we're seeing an increase in manufacturing is a very hot space for us right now, especially any company that falls within the DOD supply chain. We've got, despite the pandemic, we still have CMMC coming down the pike, that's the cybersecurity maturity model certification. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically the, the previous DFARS, which was more of a self-assessment of cybersecurity. Uh, I've been calling CMMC DFARS with teeth. It's not just, it's like me going into the doctor and saying, oh yeah, doc, I eat healthy and I exercise, right? Anybody can say that in their self-assessment. Then the doctor does my cholesterol panel and throws me on a stress test and says, you know, well, you say you're eating healthy and exercising, but your test results say otherwise. That's, you know, where CMMC is heading. It's that actual test and it's the auditor coming in and really, you know, checking the boxes and making sure that you're doing the things that you've been saying you've been doing all along. Um, for the, the companies in the DOD supply chain, it's extremely important because all of their, you know, their, their bids that they're going to be putting out, there's a certain section of that uh, request for a proposal that will outline exactly what level of certification they have to have in order to even put the bid in on that. So a company could have had a contract for the last 20 years. If they don't meet those cybersecurity requirements, they can't even put their bid in. And 
and be able to keep that business. So uh, that's been driving a lot of our penetration testing questions. But as a good general practice, I would say once per year, especially if you're coupling with that with the external monthly network vulnerability scanning as well. So we're doing that, you know, ongoing scan so that if your, you know, firewall has a vulnerability and your, you know, firewall manufacturer has released a patch, if you haven't applied that patch yet, you'll know from that external vulnerability scanning on the monthly basis instead of, you know, when the penetration tester uses is that against you. You <laughs> gave us a, a great segue to, uh, to updating, which I want to take on next, but um, I've got to bring up a few things. First off, I've been reading recently that the SCADA environment, which is basically manufacturing, military, government, uh, any, any environment uh, or any industry that uses a lot of heavy equipment, um, manufacturing is, is of course, uh, primary there, but utilities, all of that is seeing an uptick, uptick in, uh, in attacks. Um, I don't know that it's COVID-19 related, but it's kind of like the shark smelling the blood in the water. Uh, they, uh, they know that <laughs> none of the, uh, none of the, the, the industries that, that use uh, programmable logic controllers, those are, those are uh, PLCs, normally what they're called. Those are, are, operating systems uh, and controllers, obviously, that, that control the major equipment. Uh, uh, probably Ted Koppel's book, Lights Out, is the best work on the electrical grids. Uh, there are really three in this country, East, West, and then Texas has their own. Um, most of those uh, do not have security or good security on, uh, in their, on their networks. Uh, and I've talked to many of them, many of them uh, I've had them tell me, well, you know, we don't, we don't care if they hack, hack us because everything is, uh, um, is public uh, record anyway. Well, that isn't true, but, um, but they believe that. So you get into a, a situation where you've got um, an up-and-coming area, and it's not, it's not anything new. Uh, the SCADA environment has been a, a, a big uh, target it's just it didn't have as many people attacking it as we, we see now this year and last year. Uh, I remember the, I think it was February of this year, one of the, uh, one of the electric uh, distribution companies in California was attacked and taken down. Uh, this is, this is the, where we're at. It's not the new norm. It's the same norm we've had. It's just more and more hackers. It's estimated by some uh, sources that I've read that there's over 800 million cyber criminals across the planet. That's 1% of the, the uh, uh, Earth's population. Um, I don't know if that's right on or uh, low or high. I don't know. But I can tell you that there's enough of them and that many of them are outside this country. So our laws don't affect them. Um, you know, if some, somebody attacks you from Yemen or uh, Somalia, we're not going to extradite them because they wiped you and my bank, bank account out. Right. Or they they uh, hacked into our medical charts. So, um, updates. The poster child for that is still Equifax. They had given, been given the uh, uh, update for their, uh, um, for their server, and uh, that was in March, and in May they got hacked. Um, you know, it took till July to uh, 
to find it and then it took till uh, September to report it, poster child. That same time period, the WannaCry virus hit, I think it was 200,000 uh, computers in 105 countries, if I remember. Um, same period of time, the Microsoft put the, the, the update out, the fix. Um, in, in March, in May, the attack happened. Uh, that was followed by the NotPetya virus, and there's just one thing after another. You know, the tool in, in uh, the NotPetya and maybe the WannaCry came from the NSA. They had hacked the NSA and, uh, and stolen seven tools, if I remember correctly. One of them was used in WannaCry, a different one used in the NotPetya virus. Um, NotPetya, most, most watchers thought was just a, uh, a test because there, it was ransomware, but there was no way to pay the ransom. So um, why else would you do that? Um, excellent article in, uh, I think, Wired Magazine last month on that, on the kid that stopped that not Petya virus, who then got busted <laughs> uh, when he came to uh, America to, uh, to be, uh, I guess, celebrated at, uh, I think, Black, Black Hat Conference. Um, anyway. I'm digressing. So updates. What are your thoughts there? That's that's always in my big three, and and you've hit the other two. Passwords the first, uh, the second is usually updates on my list. VPN is number three, and I could argue for each one of those being number one. Where do we go with updates? Updates are extremely important, and not only extremely important, but the, the timeliness of them. Um, I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day who, who didn't understand why uh, these updates were, were so important. And I there's a, a, a public website that anybody can go to, and you can basically search devices that are connected to the internet. So there are still, I forget the most recent um, statistic, but that, um, that exploit for, you know, WannaCry, you can still go in and search and see all of the computers that are not updated and not patched, that that is still a viable option for. Mm -hmm. So I was literally showing this to a friend of mine the other day saying, you know, that you can search, you can, you can look and see if there's a, you know, an update on, you know, this particular wireless router. And, you know, you can go in and, and look for all of those devices that are, you know, that, manufacturer, that model, you know, that firmware and find any of these unpatched devices and still use them. So patches are extremely important to put out uh, or to, to apply as soon as they're put out. It's a, a timeliness thing and just making sure that you have some type of process that is uh, already in place. We're very fortunate. A lot of the companies that we work with either have their own internal IT that stay up on on those um, patches and you know the Patch Tuesday releases and all the other manufacturers, um, or they're working with managed service providers who that is part of the the service that is um, being provided for them is is those patches and updates. 
it's so extremely important. Um, I mean, I know when I used to work at some other companies that we would get these notifications, like make sure your computer is turned on tonight. My, my response was like much of America, like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know, whatever. I don't leave it on. I don't know if I left it on. What does leave it on even mean? Like restart, don't restart. I don't remember what I'm supposed to do. Uh-huh. So uh, making sure that, that all of the employees in your organization understand what is expected of them. Like if you're going to have, you know, patches on, on, to, you know, Tuesday night and Thursday night and employees need to leave their computers on during that time, make sure that that's really clearly communicated so that those, all of those updates can, can be applied. Um, same thing in your personal life with your, your home equipment, your cell phone. You know, I, I know I'm the ty- I was the type of person that would always snooze all of those reminders like, oh, I need to update my computer, but I'm in the middle of something so important. Right. Um, well, there's one thing that could stop that even more, and that would be a nice old ransomware attack where everybody's locked up and nobody's working. So yes, it, it's a, sometimes it's a little inconvenient. You're in the middle of working on something. Just make sure you do it as soon as possible. Don't forget. Don't snooze it a million times. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So um, we're at the last five minutes. Actually, I, I, probably the last three to four minutes. I hate that because I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and and as I said at the beginning, I always learn from you. So I, I, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the back and forth. Any last thoughts, final thoughts, things we should have covered and didn't get there? Um, one of the things that I say a lot, and I, I got this from our co-founder, Rob, and I, I make it a personal mission of mine to help people shift the way that they think about cybersecurity. There's, there's no tech, technology, silver bullet. Otherwise, you know, all these really big enterprise organizations probably would have found it already. Cybersecurity is something that requires a multi-layer approach. There's, you know, no one solution that you're going to put in that's going to to help you. We hear from a lot of businesses, well, I have antivirus and firewall in place. Isn't that enough? Ten years ago, absolutely, that, that was enough to help protect you. These cyber attackers are changing the code in their malware, like the, the, the guts of it, so frequently. And the way that that traditional antivirus works is it's comparing you know, all the known samples of malware, and it's got a big dictionary of all of them. And it's, it's comparing everything that you're trying to open on your computer to that known dictionary. If there's a match, the antivirus software will block it. Uh, if it doesn't have a match, you know, you're able to open it up and continue. The problem with antivirus, traditional antivirus, is that there are four to five new malware samples released every single second. So by the time your listeners have have listened to this entire program, there's going to be 15,000 new pieces of malware that have been released. It's impossible for those traditional antivirus systems to keep up in place. It's not... The status quo so far is not enough anymore. And every business thinks that this is not going to be something that's going to happen to them until they're the business that it happened to. And then they're warning all of their friends who are also not taking it seriously. <laughs> Things are changing. We are we are fully on the, the defense nowadays. We are not, you know, proactive. We are just reactive to every way that the cyber attackers keep keep changing things. So having multiple layers approaching it from many different directions with cybersecurity, you are not too small for an attack. You have information that the these people would be after. Um, and cybersecurity is also it's not a project that you do once. It's not, you know, a budget line item one year, you know, your IT guys do this cybersecurity project and then it's, it's done and over with. Um, it's, it's an ongoing 
posture that everybody in your organization top to bottom has to take and everybody has to be rowing in that same direction together everybody has to take it seriously uh, and it's something that you know you have to you have to do ongoing it's you know the difference between thinking of it as one-time liposuction versus going to the gym and dieting and exercising every day you know cybersecurity has to be that ongoing fitness regimen in in your business I couldn't agree more so I want to thank you, Shanna, for being with us today. Shanna Utgart with Defendify. And I want to thank you folks for watching or listening to us, the Information Playground, uh, coming to you from either WVLP. And again, I encourage you to ch uh, check out their website, wvlp.org. The Information Playground is underwritten by Ron Bush Consulting. You can find us at ronbushconsulting.com. Uh, check out my book on Amazon, um, Staying Safe in a Very Dangerous World. Uh, think before you click is the subtitle. Uh, you could also find this uh, rebroadcast on demand on the information playground on any podcast channel, or at least the top eight or nine, or you can find us on YouTube. And so I want to thank each one of you for being with us today and, uh, and uh, tune us in again. Thank you. <music>